Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sarah Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. Today's guest is Joel Green. Joel is CEO of Pro Level Training, the national director of Nike Sports Camps, a former professional basketball player and a renowned motivational speaker. Unfortunate circumstances as a youth helped to groom and refine Joel into adulthood. Growing up in an abandoned home and seeing both sides of life has really helped him to connect with people over time. Joel's messages deliver tangible advice for others to gain their desired outcome. So I am super excited to welcome Joel Green to the show. Welcome, Joel. Thanks, Sarah. I appreciate you having me on. Oh my goodness, I'm very, very excited. I mean, wow, what a story you have. So, I mean, there's so much to talk about. I don't know how we're going to cram it all in, but let's start with your story, Joel, because I know that's going to inspire so many of my listeners. Well, yeah, I've seen quite a bit early in life, um, you know, from an early age, to be honest with you. Growing up in an abandoned house in North Philadelphia was, was a Extremely humbling, I'll say that. Um, just literally having graffiti on our walls for the duration of time that we lived there. That's all I remember. We used to have art contests on our walls, me and my siblings, because we already knew we had, quote unquote, art. It was graffiti on our walls already. So <laughs> our parents didn't mind us drawing Ninja Turtles and things like that on on the wall. So that that was my life, having holes on the staircase, kind of playing hopscotch around the holes and we made fun and made light of the hardships, um, which taught me a lesson pretty early in life to where it's like, just because things are, they seemingly look really bad, don't mean they have to be reacted to that way. Like we don't have to go along and flow with the problems. We can go in the opposite direction. And, you know, I learned that really early in life. And at six years old was, I was 10 feet away from a shooting. And there was nobody else there outside the kid that got shot and the two shooters. And thinking that I was going to be shot next was, was, again, still one of the scariest moments, you know, I've had to experience at six years old. Um, having a knife pulled out on me, called the N-word at nine years old. Just going through all these things because I was told I was in the wrong neighborhood. I'll say that. And um, experiencing things like this, it just taught me life really early. You know, I developed the callus to different hardships. And the beauty of what I learned was I always saw that there was another side, that there was a life after these hardships, that there was something better on the other side of these things. And for a lot of us, we may not see that till adulthood or early adulthood. Um, but I learned that. I, had, I learned how to deal with, with death. I lost one of my older brothers tragically when I was a teenager. And um, it just, you know, I was forced to to move on. You know what I mean? I, I it was I didn't want to. I didn't want to yeah, move on. 
I, I mean, wow, at six to be involved in a shooting, to have a knife fall on you, to lose a brother in your in your teenage years is is really tough. So who was showing you that there was another way? Because I, I mean, I've spoken to, to many, many people over, over my lifetime and coach people. And a lot of them say, well, I don't see another way, Sarah. I just don't see another way. Because as you said, in those neighborhoods, you know, it sounds like maybe you were in the wrong neighborhood at that point. It wasn't giving you many advantages. How did you see the other side then to, or who was it who was showing you that there was another way? Well, my family, my, yeah, I have to give credit to, you know, first off, God, you know, just inspiring me. I'm, I'm very religious. I grew up in a, a, a household with two ministers as, as my parents. So, you know, they will always just try to tell us, Hey, you know, uh, you know, have faith, have faith, have faith, you know, we'll get better. You have to believe that it will get better. And, um, and they just will position us to be in that position of not complaining that growing up in my household, you were allowed to vent, but not complain. You know, you can express yourself, but not complain. And usually complaining came, you know, minutes after the venting and they would stop. It was like, no, no, you, you now you're, you're crossing over and no. Okay. Now we can pray about it, but you're not going to sit here and complain about it. Right. That's the household I grew up in. And um, it helped me because it always gave me a vision for the better side of things. And so my parents, my my brothers, my sister, I'm the youngest of four. Um, my family, for sure. You know, and, yeah. and my, my uncles and aunts, they literally, when my, when my brother passed, you know, I was, I was a mess. Um, I was 17 years old when it happened. He was only 25. And um, I just wanted to be in my bed. You know, I didn't go to school for weeks. Uh, my senior year, you know, pivotal year for any student, of course. You know, I'm, yeah. I miss earning a college scholarship and my grades dropped. You know, I, yeah, I was a mess. Um, but my uncle came over, one of my uncles came over one day and told me I had to keep living because I'm still here. He said, my brother may be gone. He said, but you have to keep living. You're still alive, man. And that it spoke to me. It spoke to me. Yeah, and um it showed me something. I said, you know what? Okay, I'm going to live and I'm going to live it up. And that's what I began doing. I, I started making promises to my brother, saying all the stuff he was trying to coach me on doing over the years, I finally started doing it. So, okay, you know what? I'm going to get a scholarship to college. You know what? I'm going to improve my grades in high school. And I made the honor roll for the first time as a senior in high school because of really – finding the best of me inside of myself. You know what I mean? I found a reason to live my to my best. And it came, unfortunately, by way of somebody dying. But um, I was able to extract something from that and found a whole lot of power. That's an amazing story. I think a lot of people listening will will resonate with some of that on a different level. But, you know, a lot of people listening will be going through breakups, heartbreak, divorce, and I guess that leaves you reeling. That leaves you thinking, you know, gosh, I don't know how to carry on. Um, and actually, you know, you did it there. Your uncle came and, and gave you some really sound advice, which sounds like it was quite life changing because at that point there's a choice, right? There's a That's I right. stay where I am and I drag this around with me forever. Or there's a defining moment when you say, OK, I choose to do this differently. And whether that, you know, in your case was to do it for your brother 
And I think that's an amazing thing to do because obviously that's what he wanted for you. He would have wanted you to go on and be successful. A lot of my clients, a lot of people listening, may be doing it for their kids because they've got kids and they're going through a divorce. It's like, well, I can fall apart, but what message does that send as a role model for my kids? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there is a choice in life, isn't there, where that trauma can be turned into a triumph and and hopefully you'll go on to tell us how you did that because I know you did an amazing job of that. But that that's a pivotal life point, right, where you yeah. just get to either step up or just sit back. Literally, you just laid out a few things that I, I've gone through, you know, from be, I've been I've had some peaks and valleys, you know, being a professional basketball player for some time and going through, you know, some really cool things. And all of a sudden something, you know, sends me into the valley like I, I you know, been through divorce, unfortunately. And I say unfortunately because I didn't want it to occur. And I fought for it for years and just, you know, I fought for it for myself. I fought for it for, for our son. You know, I have a nine-year-old son and I love fatherhood, right? And I love family. I grew up with, you know, with my whole family together and that was something I fought for. You know, I believe that, okay, it would be great to have a kid have both of his parents in the household. And um, I knew how much my son loved that, that dynamic. So I fought for it, and some even told me, hey, you're fighting for the wrong reason. I'm like, no, I'm fighting for the right reason because my life is not about me, you know, anymore. You know, I have a, I have a child. I have an extension of me, so I'm fighting also for their heart, for their emotions. So when the divorce happened, that was very tough for me um, because it wasn't so much that uh, I couldn't accept it. I accepted me and her no longer being together. That was I was able to move on from that. What hurt me the most was my son's pain from the experience. And that's what I had to not get over, but comfort him and myself on. Hey, it's going to be okay. I had to tell him what my parents used to tell me when it came to different things. Look, there's going to be another side to this thing. Let's find a way to get stronger as a result of it. We literally have talked about this when he was five, six, and seven years old. And honestly, even... You know, when he was eight last year, he, he brought it up. He was in tears randomly one day. I'm like, what's going on? He said, you know, I, you know, I just wish mommy lived at home. And I'm like, I get it. So there were things that I fortunately, at this point, say fortunately, I had to go through early in life, hurdles that I had to get overcome. So that now I, I've been able to coach my son on overcoming these same hurdles, different surface to them, but the same principle. And so it's been helpful to see him and amazing to see him grow. Yeah. And he brought it up to me recently. This was amazing. This was last week, about last week. He said, you know, you know, we're able to do some pretty cool things now. Like he knows, okay, we have a nice, you know, home and we make some cool trips and he meets different celebrities and all that I know. He said, everybody thinks I always have it easy, but you know, they don't know that like, you know, our family isn't together anymore. He starts telling me different things that I wasn't even aware that he thinks about that are imperfect or an ideal. Yeah. I loved, I loved it though, because he now is recognizing what life looks like. It looks like it's up sometimes, sometimes it looks like it's down. That's life. And I want you to know that. And so that's why I was glad he, he said those things to me because it showed that his level of awareness is there. His yeah, absolutely. Is there. 
Yeah. I, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I but I, I actually think that divorce can be a valuable life lesson for kids. I think mm-hmm. I think some adversity in childhood, not you know, not abuse or, right. or mm-hmm. you know, extreme poverty, but but hardship because it mm. teaches you something it teaches you that life doesn't always work out the way you want it to but you can get through it mm-hmm. and if you can learn the lessons and if you've got a role model parent like you who has banked and learned some lessons then obviously you're there to share those stories and to encourage and inspire him but it, it's just wonderful when you see them because they're like little sponges at that age they just absorb everything and they're watching everything so if you're stepping up and you're saying you know what i'm going to dust myself down i'm going to carry on and i'm going to be even happier or even more confident or just take this different path and make it a success kids learn because right now there's such a i mean i know it's the same in the states as here but the suicide rate for teenagers is going through the roof because the coping strategies they've got available to them are drugs self-harming and suicide Whereas, you know, back in my day, it, it, we didn't have those options as much. Right. And there's something like YouTube videos telling us exactly how to go about it. And But there's there's other tools, you know, like asking yourself a better question or doing five star jumps or just getting outside mm-hmm. and hugging a tree or whatever it is that mm-hmm. can help change your mental state to give you that, that power. You don't need to go down these negative routes. So I don't know if you agree with me, but that adversity, I mean, you obviously went through a hell of a lot in your childhood. Has that made you stronger? Do you think it's made your child stronger? Absolutely. Again, I, I agree. You know, to have to experience, again, we don't want to create a hardship for our, for our kids, but for them to experience some, it's like, you know what? Here's an, it's an opportunity, right? Like that's, that's one thing that I teach him more than anything else is perspective. I'm serious. We're, I'm so, so, so intentional about teaching him perspective because that's something that so many of us don't gain until later in life, until hindsight start telling us everything. And we can gain foresight. We don't have to wait on hindsight to reveal another vantage point or our, our objective point of view for it. Like we can gain perspective now. So we go over quotes every day, you know, uh, before school, just life quotes about different things. And he has to read it and he has to, you know, tell me what he thinks about it so I can test his reading and comprehension skill. So, it's definitely helped him because he'll, when we go over our quotes, he'll bring up examples from the divorce. And, you know, it's kind of like when we were all in the apartment together, when we were all together, but then like, he'll tell me different stories. So I say, yes, it's added to him because it's, it's now developing his story. We all have our own story. And, you know, again, life, it's going to be ups and it's going to be downs in the story. That's what makes a beautiful story, to be honest. Like, what's a victory without some defeat every once in a while? So I agree. You know, those early hardships, it prepares you for, for life, you know? And yeah. again, I don't, I don't ask for them. We don't want them to come about, but it helps. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And in fact, most of the people that I... I you know, I'm lucky to call my friends or I'm lucky enough to interview like you on this show are people that have, you know, people look to and go, gosh, you're so successful. You've got this amazing position. You know, you're so lucky. Now, in my experience, you know, that luck is hard earned. You know, it's, it's yeah. 10, 15, 20, maybe a lifetime of overcoming failures, obstacles, challenges, maybe even complete setbacks right back to rock bottom again. 
that's actually propelled them when they've learned the lessons mm. to where they are. Do you, would you agree with that? Completely. I mean, like, seriously, it, it's some people have no clue, right? Like some people have no clue that there's no luck involved. You know, there's none. You know, you, you've positioned yourself for what they now witness. You know, you can literally tell them everything that you did. And they're like, whoa, OK, I didn't realize that. Because they only see things when the lights are on, when the cameras may be on, when, you know, when the microphone is in front of you. But there's been, again, hours and hour upon hours, days upon years upon years of prep work that's positioned you to do the things that you're afforded to do now. And it was funny because I got up. I wasn't too upset, but I was offended when somebody called me a natural at basketball before um, and I'm like, what do you mean a natural? I said, I'm not, I'm not a natural. They meant it as a compliment though. Yeah. I said, no, I said, no, I said, don't call me a natural. I said, I put too much work in to, for you to just literally discount <laughs> and everything that I've done, you know, uh, waking up at four, four thirty in the morning every day. I'm not a natural at this. I'll work for this. So yeah, a lot of people just don't know. They aren't aware yeah. because it's like, they just see when the lights are on. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. You know, it's not overnight success. It's years and years. In fact, a lot of hardships and overcoming those in the making to get you where you are and, and taking those failures and, and not being beaten by them. Going back to that point where you've got a choice. Do I let this define me or do I step up? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of those moments over a lifetime and taking that choice to step up that gets you to where you are now. I mean, that's that's evident. But let's go back then to your story. So you you listened to your uncle, you stepped up, you, you went back and finished your education. How did you get into basketball? And, and tell us about that journey and just how hard you worked there. Well, I mean, I, I was introduced to basketball at three years old uh, by way of an old Michael J. Fox movie <laughs> in the, in the ah. 80s, uh, called Which Teen one? Wolf. Which one? Teen Wolf. Oh, uh, right. Of course. Yeah, he's a high school basketball player who was really, really bad. He sucked. Um, but when he turned into this wolf, he was great. He was amazing. So I remember I was three years old watching it on a VCR all the time. I used to put the tape in myself and I used to just sit there and watch it. Over and over and over again. I just love the sound of, of a basketball bouncing. And I'm like, I want to play like that wolf, you know. And they got me my own little, you know, nerf basketball hoop I could play on. And I never looked back. And um, my dad, he used to play basketball. One, one of my older brothers, he, he was a basketball player. So um, they just kept me involved in it. And the moment I got an organized basketball, it was intimidating at first, but Man, it was just like it was still so cool to be around all these other people that were like me that liked this this activity, and it just made me very very competitive. And so that competitiveness just made me want to improve. I'm talking every single day, and I would go to the playground just to compete against other kids that also liked this activity. But I wanted to show that I was better than them at the activity, and it just you know became an all city basketball player in high school in Philadelphia and you know, earned Division One college scholarship, you know, to college and became a pro, you know, and which was my dream. I wanted to be like Mike, like Michael Jordan, like everybody else yeah. back then and um, was able to live out my dream and inspire other people along the way, which I, I'm still here about, which is awesome. 
Um, and that's why I do what I do now. That's why, you know, I, I'm a speaker now and I travel to motivate people and inspire them and just, especially I love when I get a chance to go back to the inner cities, you know what I mean? To talk to the kids that may not see a future for themselves. Like I get it. I, you know, that's where I grew up around. A lot of the kids where I come from do not see a future beyond high school, you know, mm -hmm. or age 20. And I mean it too. Like they don't see life because they see the other kids in the neighborhoods being murdered by before age 25 and things like that. So they don't really care to see much life beyond 20 to 25 years old or working at the local post office or McDonald's and things like that. And that's all they care about. I'm like, yeah, I'm telling you there's greater out there. You can do more. And so I just, I just love the opportunity that I have to, to inspire other people and, and let them know so much I've gained. Hi, it's Sarah Davison here, the Divorce Coach. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. I just wanted to let you know about a free gift I've got for you, which I know will help you if you're struggling with your breakup or divorce right now. I'd like to offer you a free week's membership of my Heartbreak to Happiness online support group sessions with unlimited access to any of the groups during this time. So what are they? Well, these are friendly and confidential online support groups run by my accredited coaches. I've designed them to ensure that you know you're not alone and there is help and support out there to help you cope better. One delegate, Jane, said after her first session, I can't believe how much better I feel in just one hour. Another delegate, Wendy, said, my friends and family are so fed up of hearing me talk about this and now I finally feel like I've found my tribe. I've designed these sessions so you'll meet other people going through similar situations and you'll be able to share your story in a safe space. My specialist coaches are all trained personally by me and are there to offer support and help to enable you to dial down those negative emotions and let go of your ex. So I wanted to make a special offer to all my podcast listeners, which is a three weeks access to this unique support. It means that you will have access to as many support sessions as you would like to attend in a week. And we've got lots of days and different times to choose from. This is a great way to start to take your power back and help you feel more empowered. Remember, as I always say, it's not what happens to you that defines you. It's what you do about it that makes you the person you are. So sign up now at www.saradavison.com forward slash support group. That's saradavison.com forward slash support group to claim your free gift and to move from your heartbreak to happiness. If, if I can tell your viewers something really quick. Yeah, go for it. That, um, something I've gained, and I'm telling you, this is in recent years, but a lifetime of experience and it definitely following the divorce. Um, what, I, what I realized was so, so we weren't put here to, to fix everything. We weren't put here to make all the bad stuff good. Um, I, I really feel that all the bad stuff was put here to improve us and make us better. You know, I really feel that it was put here to refine us. 
to make us amazing on the other side of that bad stuff. And by way of this, this mindset for me, it has helped me to move forward and it's propelled me beyond different circumstances that I once sat and complained about, that I, that I sat and cried about and would ask myself, why me about? Like, it's not about that anymore. It's not even always about you. That's one thing I had to truly accept and get myself out of the way of even all my circumstances to realize it's a greater good in this. And if I choose to even try to remove a little bit of emotion from this to clearly see things, man, I begin accepting the quote unquote bad and allowing that to refine me. I love that lesson. And I think that's so key for people even listening right now, thinking, actually, I'm crying all the time. I'm complaining about my situation. I don't see anything past the end of this relationship. Like, I mean, I don't know if you went through this, maybe not in the same way, but I know so many people will resonate with just their partner's gone. They're not with them anymore. How does life function? It's almost like there's a blank canvas or even a black hole ahead of them and they can't see a way through that. So how, what would be your advice, your top tips for people who are in that position now with all the lessons you've got? I mean, it's easy to say, don't complain, but Mm -hmm. when you can't see that light, how do you, how do you find it from that space? Number one, I understand it. I get it. If if there's a half of you that's no longer there, you know what I mean? That's tough, especially if it's immediate, right? You know what I mean? It's, It's like you literally have relied on another party that you've invested your total self into and they're not there anymore. So it is okay to cry. It is okay to be, you're, you're, your emotions are okay. They're, they're a gift for us. They're an outlet because if we hold them in, they can do more detriment and harm than good. So let those, let those things out. What I found that you know, can be counterproductive is letting it out for too long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, there has to be a point to where you say, okay, whew, I got it out of my system. Now it's time for me to better me. It's time for me to love me the same way I love them. But I got to love myself even more at this point and begin doing things for yourself. Maybe that you've never have even done before. Right. And I'm talking about love yourself to the point to where you don't feel the need for someone else. And that was key for me because yeah. I felt like I needed, I needed her. Like, you know, and that's what made the pain hurt that much more was because I didn't realize that I was all I needed. You know what I mean? And once I figured it out, I was like, wow, anyone else that comes into my life is an addition to what I already am. And I am complete. So, I would dare say work on completing yourself to the point to where you know that you are all you truly need and anyone else that's fortunate enough to come, you know, across your path. And I say fortunate because you'll be a blessing to them. They will just simply be an addition, a beautiful addition to your life, but not someone to complete your life. I know we say things like that. They complete me. I know it's cute, but yeah. I think that we should work on us completing ourselves so that we don't, you know, it, it's kind of hard to say, but 
you don't want to feel as if you need this invisible stranger that you currently don't have. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. We need to complete ourselves. And that's absolutely essential. It, but from that place of I don't know how to cope to I need to complete myself is a, is a personal development journey, right? That Absolutely. You've Absolutely. been on, I've been on, many of my listeners will be on right now. And I guess it's small steps, isn't it, moving forward? Big time. It's definitely small steps. I mean, for me, it was it was small steps and small things as far as, you know what, you know, what should I do? Okay, go get a massage, right? Like that was, I, I started getting massage just so I can say, okay, how can I make myself physically feel better? Okay, go get a massage. I, I began Googling different things of how to actually make my body feel better, my mind feel better. And I just, you know, I would just say, okay, go to the movies by myself. Okay, I, yeah. I, it was weird at first, but... I did it for myself and it felt good just to kind of sit there and laugh or just be entertained on my own. And I began reading a lot more, just learning. It, it was, it was, it was growth is what I needed. Yeah. Um, and it was the learning, just the reading. I started reading <laughs> nine books every three weeks and, and just, and just the, the growth made me so comfortable with myself. And just learning more about myself, learning my my deficits, my downfalls, my my insecurities. That was the best part. I became so secure with my insecurities. It wasn't even funny. It was like they weren't insecurities anymore because the more I learned about what they were, I became being more transparent about them with others. And I realized, oh, there's other people going through this as well. Okay, there's no need to have anxiety about it or be insecure about it. It's actually a normal thing. But it was the growth that really helped me to to get to the next stage of, you know, getting beyond that broken relationship, that broken heart. And I just started to see like, wow, there's actually beauty in a broken heart because now my heart is open. Right. Like the moment it broke it, it out and it opened up and it was actually open to more information, you know, more feedback from others, more help, which I was resistant to before. So. Yeah. I even found beauty in a broken heart, to be honest. No, oh, I love that. And I, I think it's so true. You do go on a, a, a voyage of self-discovery after a breakup. And I and I love your advice about doing things that maybe you wouldn't ever do before. I mean, when in my marriage, I wasn't allowed colored nails. So as mm-hmm. you, if you watch it, I've got bright blue nails. So I yeah. always have blue nails or pink nails, mm-hmm. yellow, whatever, because that is something very small. And just mm-hmm. something for me that makes me feel good. So again, it doesn't have to be big. Like you said, it could be reading. It could be, you know, just small things that mm-hmm. make you happy. And I think it's those small steps that give you that momentum in the early days, like the massage, you know, just mm-hmm. hanging around people that make you feel good. I think that all those things are absolutely essential. And you mentioned reading there. I know you've written a book. Tell us, Joe, about your, about your book. Yeah. So my book, again, it it encompasses my journey, you know, throughout life, you know, so some of the things I mentioned from my childhood uh, on up to adulthood, things I've had to overcome. Um, And the the beauty of it is, is I discuss the ways I overcame them. I don't want to just tell a story of what happened. You know, I want to give people insight on how I've been able to get over to the other side. And, um, you know, about eight years ago, I developed this method called filtering. Uh, for myself as I was just going through the, some hardships. And I said, I don't want to just go through my issues to get to the other side. I actually want to get something from these issues to get me to the other side. So that's what I began doing. I began filtering 
you know, my circumstances, my emotions and breaking them all down to make them more manageable for myself because it was it was overwhelming. So I had to find a way to break everything down and I just labeled it as, okay, this is filtering. Okay. And I would just literally say, okay, all right, Joel, filter it, filter it. And I would just find a way to get into this emotional brainstorming phase. And it will always give me foresight. Every time I would do it, void of emotion, though, I wouldn't say, why me? I would say, okay, why is this going on? I yeah. would do it with a level mind because that emotion always clouded the judgment of that situation and I wouldn't get anything from it. So the moment I removed the emotion, as much emotion as I could, because again, it's not always an easy thing to do, yeah. but I always found like when things go wrong, I would always go with them and that would mess me up. So I started going in the opposite direction, going against the grain. And by way of this filtering method, it just helped me to get actually the fruits that were buried within these difficulties. And those fruits I would extract out, and those things would propel me to the other side of the difficulty. And I'll be honest with you, let's bring it up as an example, the divorce, right? There would be things that she would complain about about me. Okay, things I complain about about her. Okay, that's generally what happens in a relationship that leads to that part. Now, for me, I could have all of my pride in a way and say, oh, she's completely wrong about everything. Or I could say, I wonder if she had any points, any valid points at all about me and her judgment. So even after things were over, for myself, not for her, I said, let me take a look at what she complained about me. I said, okay, that, that doesn't really have any grounds. But you know what, this one over here, she might have a point. Let me actually see if I can improve that for myself. Not for her, but for myself. And guess what? If I get into a future situation, that area is now going to be refined. I tell you one thing, nobody else is going to be able to complain about that. So I started finding good even within complaints and negative feedback about myself. So this filtering method is what I wrote about in this book. And it's been inspiring, fortunately, been inspiring a lot of people. Oh, wonderful. So filtering is the name of the book, John. Where, where can we get it? Yeah, filtering, the way to extract strength from the struggle is, uh, is the book. And it's on Amazon. It's on uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, website and um you know it's you know it's it's a six-year writing process for me i was writing for six years and uh you'll see in the beginning of the book something that made me get serious about it about two and a half years ago um and it was just it was an amazing journey just to to complete this and to help other people that's that's my my purpose i feel Uh, just to to help other people my life is not about my about, about myself anymore Oh, I love that. Well, you're definitely helping people by being here today. So thank you so much. I've got one last question for you, Joel. Um, My podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And obviously, I think happiness is really important. But you've got to know what it is to spot it along the way, even when you are going through one of those dark times that we've talked about. So what is happiness for you, Joel? All right. So you're going to probably hate me for this. Okay. So, so, because I, I, I've told people from the stage, like, again, happiness is a, is a, is a part of my, my life, right? But I told people I no longer pursue it. And the only reason is because I know it's going to come because of what I pursue. I pursue fulfillment. 
So I, I told, I, it was a group of people from the stage I told, I said, look, I said, happiness just can't be a part of my pursuit anymore. I said, I know there's a movie about pursuit of happiness and all this stuff. I love happiness. I said, but that's going to be at my end. I said, so for me, I pursue fulfillment every single day because, you know, I'm not always happy to wake up at 4.30 to, <laughs> to work out. I said, but it's fulfilling. Yeah. I said, and the end, it makes me happy. I said, but so for me to be able to stop and smell the roses, I pursue this fulfillment every single day. But, you know, I know that happiness is coming. But so for me, it's like happiness to me is just, it, it's, it's a, it's a journey, right? Like happiness to me is that, that lovely feeling of knowing even something is coming. Like happiness is, is a poet. Again, it's, it sounds cheesy, but happiness to me really is poetic because, you know, you, you can you can feel before something comes that it's about to arrive. Yeah. And and that's like that's what when I think of happiness, I'm like, OK, I know I, I'm about to possess it, but I'm already starting to possess it because I know it's coming because I'm working toward something. And yeah. happiness isn't unintentional. Like happiness is very, very, very intentional. And I have to say that because for those that have told me, like, how do I get happy? I'm like, you got you to gotta be intentional about getting it. Like it is not osmosis, the universe, like it's not just going to happen. You have to be intentional. So for me, happiness is that intentional beauty that it's on its way. Yeah. I love that answer. I don't definitely don't hate you for it. I love it. <laughs> I just maybe disagree. I, I think that you can feel happiness at, when you choose to feel it rather than having to wait for it. Like it could right. be just, you know, the sun on your face, although we don't get much of that over here. You probably get a lot more over there where you are. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, or just hearing the birds sing in the morning or Absolutely. something small where you can just in that moment feel you know, for me, that's happiness. Being in nature, just being like stopping to smell the roses, that instant is happiness. You don't have I to agree. I agree. necessarily wait. You can mm -hmm. grab it. And it's about recognizing it when you have it and not just focusing on, say, the heartbreak or the pain, right? Exactly. That that recognition, that awareness, exactly. That that's yeah. that's that's the key because it's like if this I feel like we're surrounded by it. You know, and we just don't even know it half the time. You know, it's like until you open your eyes or shift your perspective, it's like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that could make me happy. Yeah, you know, exactly. I didn't realize that can make me feel bubbly. Yeah. But, you know, it's got to know it. It's the small thing sometimes. It's the small thing. So, John, where can people find you if they want to find out more about you and your work? You can find me at my, my website, joelbgreen.com. Um, I'm on Instagram often at this point uh, at jgreenplt. That's J A Y Green P L T, and um, I'm also on Facebook, Joel Green Official. So wherever you guys want to connect, I would love to and, and engage with you guys. Absolutely amazing. Well, thank you for your time today. It's been absolutely amazing speaking to you. Uh, you've been a fabulous guest, Sarah. Thank you again. I appreciate it. That's it for today's episode. Be sure to head on over to Joel's website, joelbgreen.com, to find out more about him and all his amazing work. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to Sara's virtual Heartbreak to Happiness retreat. 
This is a transformative combination of live webinars with Sarah herself, coupled with her empowering online video program designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sarah's gift. Thank you, and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.